We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Van TV here. And today's podcast is brought to you by Scotch Porter Men's Grooming Products. As you guys know, this is the grooming products that I use for my beard. I particularly use their premium beard wash, conditioner, balm, and serum. And I just love how it makes my beard feel, man. It, it feels soft, it's shiny, it's smooth, smells great, and most importantly, they use all natural products. And for all Knicks Fan TV, the podcast listeners, you can get free shipping on all orders on $50 or more. And also, they always have sales on their beard collections, so definitely check it out. You're going to want to go to www.scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. That's scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. Peace. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Alright, here we go. Starting the stream up. Special edition Knicks Fan TV podcast. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Fan TV here. Special guest, Tommy D, a.k.a. Tommy Digital, in the building. This is part one of our NBA draft special. In this series, I'm going to be talking to a lot of scouts uh, content creators, bloggers uh, in the know who follow uh, particularly the, the the prospects who are slated around the lottery or so. Obviously, as the Knicks are uh, concerned, we're, we're going to be lottery hunting it once again this year. So as we get into March with March Madness right around the corner, we want to start taking a deeper dive into a lot of these prospects, their strengths, weaknesses, potential fit with the Knicks. And on tonight's episode, we're going to talk about uh, one Cole Anthony. And, and Tommy D, man, uh, first of all, how you doing, man? How's everything? CP, I'm doing really great. Thank you for the introduction. Love the Tommy D Digital. Tommy Digital, uh, man. Tommy Digital. I, I like that. Like Bobby Digital. Facts. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> facts, 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 man. Uh, I'm doing great. Always great to be with you. you know yeah, how. man. Well, th- thanks for coming on. So so let's talk Cole Anthony, man. Um, this is a kid. He, he came into this year's college season with North Carolina. Very highly touted prospect. Obviously, he he's a very familiar face for Knicks fans. He's the son of Greg Anthony. 
had an up and down year so far. You know, he came in, he had a, a bit of inconsistent performance. Then he was marred by some injuries. He had the, I believe it was a meniscus tear, knee injury. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's come back. He's had a, a solid February so far. Um, not sure how Carolina, if, if they will end up making it to the dance, but you know, you are a guy, you've been touting this kid's, uh, prospects for quite some time now. So let's get into what, what do you, what do you like about Cole Anthony, uh, as a potential fit, um, in this NBA draft? It's a great question. And I have to start by saying I'm old enough to remember when his father was drafted in 1992. Well, 91 or 92. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually at the practice facility at SUNY Purchase when they made that announcement um, of all places. They've since then now moved to uh, sorry Tarrytown Greenberg mm-hmm. um, in Westchester, which uh, I think if you've seen some reports, is not a popular thing amongst the players, but we'll leave that, uh, we'll leave that for a conversation for another day. Um, I've, I've been fortunate, to, uh, fortunate enough to watch Cole develop really – uh, as a player since he was about 13 or 14 freshman year at Malloy came in very highly touted. Obviously we uh, New Yorkers know Malloy as the home of Kenny Anderson before Kenny Anderson, there was Kenny Smith, Kenny the Anderson, was Kenny, the jet. Kenny, the jet first. And then mm-hmm. Kenny Anderson, who was my hero growing up mm-hmm. um, four time uh, uh, all American and, and player of the year, McDonald's all American. Um, so, and then obviously went on to have a great uh, college career at Georgia Tech and then had, had a long pro career. Um, so Cole came in, certainly the son of Greg, NBA, um, you know, uh, genes and, um, you know, had a lot to live up to at Malloy with, you know, all of those great point guards who had been there. There was a player called uh, Shandu McNeil who ended up going to St. Bonaventure and they, they've had uh, a bunch of players go to Division One, but from a point guard perspective, to come into this city, to come into that school specifically, um, he he's really been um, his his reputation has always preceded him, and he's always lived up to them and exceeded them. That's what I always appreciated about watching him through the first few years. He, he was three years at Malloy, and then last year he played at uh, Oak Hill, the, the famous Oak Hill okay. Academy, mm-hmm. before before go, before going to uh, down to Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. But what I what I've seen over the, you know, dozens and dozens of, of live games is someone who at every stage has been able to go through some bumps and bruises and, and then excel. And he was at a point in his junior year, you know, when I was scouting him, I've got about a hundred page book on, um, on, on him and all of his games and tendencies and, um, you know, a lot of the stuff from, from off the court. Um, you know, which, which I think is really is what me continues to make me be really high on him. Um, he was, I think NBA ready when he was a junior in high school. So the year before Oak Hill, he he was explosive. He's probably gotten a little bit stronger, but in terms of athleticism, I mean, he was playing above the rim at will. He was playing in a pro style system with Moses Brown, who ended up playing at uh, UCLA. They had another player called Khalid uh, Moore who went down to Georgia Tech. They, they had very high Division I uh, talent. Moses Brown, I think, is in the Hawks system right now, seven foot one. Um, I think like a, a less athletic, explosive Mitchell Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, but someone who certainly knows how to catch a lob and play above the rim mm-hmm. in pick and roll style. So when I was watching that Malloy team, they were nationally ranked. And I just kept saying to myself, you know, he could. 
play when you can you sort of see where the league was trending um, sort of to the small-ish guards. I wouldn't call him a small guard, um, but he was playing at such a high level that, um, you know, I felt like he could stick on a roster somewhere. He goes to Oak Hill, has a great year last year at Oak Hill, and then obviously what's going on this year, uh, they lost Anthony Harris very early on in the season who would have been his backcourt mate and someone who would have helped him with his, uh, you know, the ball handling responsibilities. He played 39 minutes last night. I mean, he plays a lot of minutes. He has a lot of responsibility. There's not a lot of talent on that team. And I think what you're seeing this year, uh, especially last night, although, as you mentioned before, you know, the, the couple weeks beforehand, they really started to get it all together and he started to play really well. Um, you know, it's just a, a very difficult season overall uh, at a school where, you know, when that happens, that becomes not just national news, but like all time national news. Roy Williams has never had a losing season. Yeah. Tough, I mean, tough season. For that. Him. I mean, tough season for Roy Williams. Who's never had a losing season in his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you go back to his years at Kansas. You go back to his assistant days at Carolina. He's never, he doesn't know what being under 500 means. So when you combine those ex- expectations and those two things together, the, sh- the light sort of gets shined on a negative um, way in a negative way mm-hmm. on Cole I took exception to the, the Mike Schmidt uh, profile on, on Draft Express. Um, and, and I think the critics right now are, are, are way too much into the, the record and the numbers mm-hmm. than the skills of the player and how he can translate it at the next level, well, which I'm sure we're about to get. Well, one of the numbers that did strike out to me, just looking at Jonathan Wasserman's um, tweet earlier that, that you had uh, engaged in as well, is 94th percentile in ISO scoring, uh, 42% on catch and shoot jumpers. As we, you know, factor in the Knicks into this equation, who's looking for a more offensive oriented uh, point guard at, from what they say, you know, obviously things can change in the draft, whether they go best play available or, or go that route. Um would you see him as a potential fit here uh, based on those numbers so far? Of course. And I think the thing that um, if we were to look at those numbers specifically and talk about the point guard position, when I was scouting Dennis Smith Jr. when he was at NC State, I couldn't tell you those numbers specifically, but I could tell you those numbers were not good. He was not a good off the ball player. He needed the ball. And if he didn't have the ball, he wasn't productive. The fact that Cole who doesn't even have, I mentioned Anthony Harris before, to not have that high caliber of an off-ball pairing and still be that good off the ball, that tells you he can fit within a five-person system. He can play with someone who can be dominant and then get in the lane, kick out. Um, You can play with an RJ. You can play with Frank Nilekina. Certainly can play with Mitchell Robinson. We know this um, just by the mere fact that he can get into the lane. Once you get into the lane, you really just have to throw the ball in the air and Mitch is going to dunk everything. Um, I feel like he'd be a good help for a Kevin Knox in sort of that similar situation too. Um, just being able to get in lane, kick out. For whatever reason, Knox is having trouble making shots off Nilakina's passes. He's like 21% from three for the year, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so so, you, have, so you have no concern, not to cut you off, but you have no concerns with his playmaking ability. I know that that's also been no. a knock on his game, but you, you have no concerns um, as a playmaker yeah. at the next level. The thing you have to realize about the ACC is that it's a very crowded conference. And that's where you sort of have to step away from the numbers and, and actually watch the teams and how they um, sort of game plan. If they're, gaming, they're game planning specifically for Cole. 
So, and, and what North Carolina runs is a lot of double big stuff, horns. Um, they have um, uh, Baycott, who's, who's a freshman, who's very good. They also have Brooks, who's an older player, but two bigs, crowds. And you don't have, if you don't have shooters, there's just not a lot of room to create. So when those gaps get plugged, it becomes very difficult for Cole to get into those gaps, to get into those teams, and to make plays in five on five. Transition, he's been very good. Uh, and in, when you see, we'll, we'll show the tape here in a second, mm -hmm. when he's able to have that space in a high pick and, single high pick and roll, um, he's able to have some success, very easy success, because that's what he was used to in high school. The thing that he doesn't have are guys who are around him who are ready to shoot. A couple, a couple times last night, he, he got in the lane, kicked out, and a couple of the shooters just, they had an opportunity to pull a trigger, yeah, just they, didn't. They, they bricked a lot of them. And some didn't even take them because they just didn't think they could get the shot off. Mm -hmm. At the NBA level, you're going to be kicking that to a 6'8", 6'9 guy who's going to be able to get that shot off in rhythm. And, you know, those plays, I think, are going to be, um, you know, pretty, pretty easy for him. I look at him as, uh, at the floor, you're talking about a Mike Bibby. Mm -hmm. And at the ceiling, or a Colin Sexton, maybe. I even think he's better than Sexton. Although, if you look at what Sexton's done the last two weeks, it's, he's been incredible. Mm -hmm. They never should have taken uh, Larry Drew away from Colin Sexton. Colby Altman, I think, needs to probably want a mulligan on that one, obviously, based on what's going on with Beeline. And I love Colby CHSAA for life. That's my guy. But you have to, you know, I, Sexton and, La and Larry Drew had such a great player-coach relationship and development relationship. Um, that's probably a conversation for another day. Uh, to me, I just think that uh, Cole is a guy who, when put in a, a pro style with, with wings who can shoot, um, will be a very, very effective NBA player with a ceiling that would be, you know, a franchise caliber point guard. Okay, okay. So you think, obviously, with, with a uptick in talent, some more spacing on the floor, uh, it, it should accentuate his strengths a lot better at the next level. So that the, so the Dennis Smith comparisons is, is a little bit uh, over the top for you. He's not Dennis Smith. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he is not Dennis Smith. You know, he, to me, uh, again, at the floor, like a Bibby, a more athletic Bibby, um, his range is, is unlimited. He, he has, he has pretty close to Trey Young range. He's not Trey Young as a shooter, um, but he can step it out 35 feet. Uh, we've seen that on many occasions this year. Um, if he has someone who can set solid screens and finish at the rim, he'll be able to get in. You surround him with shooters. He can be that 30 to 35-minute franchise point guard. You know, I'm not saying John Moran. He's not gonna, I don't know if he's right. going to come in the league and, and make you a 500 team in, in, in a year, but there's very few guys who can do that. So um, I do, though, think that when you're talking about this point guard class, there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of question marks just based off of you know, Hal Burton, not a lot of people seen him play from Iowa State. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, Lamelo, you see the, the AAU stuff and the, and the highlights and, you know, the, the, the uh, NBL uh, highlights as well. His team was 5-23. and 23. Um, you, You're not sure how good of a defender he is. Is, is he an NBA caliber shooter? Question marks. For me, I, I've, I've seen Cole. I've watched Cole develop. I've obviously seen him a lot this year as well. North Carolina came in and, and signed the point guard for my high school alma mater. So we've had a chance to see a lot of North Carolina here over the last couple months. Um, there, to me, there's not a lot of question marks. And I think when people point to the stats, the advanced stats yeah. and Carolina's record, um, 
I think that's weighing too much on their decision on what they think Cole Anthony will be as a player. Okay. So speaking of stats and, and, um, um, last last question. So let, let's go to last night's game against Duke. He was he was three for thirteen on the night. Obviously, struggled shooting. Um, what are some things that you looked at from this game that that you had liked uh, that he did? Yeah, I think you really have to look at the times where he had single high pick and roll in, in space, and there was a, a great play, a nice pass that he made for I believe Brooks um, when he was able to get into the the, the sort of that mid range area. And, and when he has that ability, when he has that uh, time, he's able to make plays um, pretty effortlessly. Uh, he also was able to sort of, you know, get run off the three-point line, but, you know, get into that mid-range area, uh, make floaters. His floater game was not on last night. That was obvious. Um, but what I really liked, and I think I mentioned this, this to you earlier today on Twitter, was that he didn't force it. He didn't take 25 yeah. shots. Yeah. And they were in that game, you know, a couple of a couple they, of uh, they were in it. calls here and there. Yeah, they were yeah. definitely in it. And I, I thought, listen, I thought, give credit to Duke. I thought their defense was pretty exceptional last night on him. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. but I thought mm-hmm. he, gave, he, he he took what the defense gave him. I thought he was fairly patient in his floor game last night. Absolutely. And by the way, Cassius Stanley does a lot of things that um, uh, I think that there are boxes unchecked, I think, on the roster that he would check um, uh, for the Knicks. Uh, very impressive last night. Uh, but getting back to Cole mm-hmm. and the positives, he went really back to traditional old school. He could have shot it 30 times, but what he did was he got others involved. Um, a lot of really nice entry passes. You know, I, I thought he could have been a little bit better defensively, uh, especially with ball pressure. Yeah. Uh, on Jones. Mm-hmm. Jones really, Jones really made him look like a freshman. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, and it, and it, it was his senior night. Um, I don't think one has any impact on the other in terms of the next level. Um, but that certainly was a difficult environment for Cole. And, and to his credit, he stayed composed. You know, he didn't get into it with the refs. He stuck to the game plan. You know, they just didn't make shots. And when he wasn't making shots, what I really liked was some of those leaners, he saw that uh, Baycott and Brooks were underneath to be able to clean them up. So a lot of those were sort of assists, if you want to look at it that way. I think I'm probably um, being a little, you know, giving them too much uh, credit. But um, when you see that your guys are under the basket, you throw it up there, you give them a chance to make a play. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I really liked about uh, what he was able to do. There was a couple of spots that he needs to clean up. Again, ball pressure, uh, contesting shots, you know, keeping guys out of the lane, you know, when guys get downhill. You know, if, J- if Jones is getting downhill on you and getting to the lane at will, that probably doesn't, that probably means you got to get a little stronger um, at the NBA level. Uh, but, you know, all in all, I think he's going to hopefully, um, you know, if he comes out, which still has, that decision still has to be made, mm. um, you know, we'll see how he measures and, uh, and what he does if he shows out at the combine. And I, I think you'll see his stock rise after the season. Let's see. Well, how much of the season do they really have left? I mean, they, their record is pretty terrible right now. I mean, is it basically ACC tournament or bust for, for Carolina? Or do you think the uh, the, the committee gives them a, a bly? No, 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 no. They If they don't win the ACC tournament, they're not, they're not going to be playing any. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they win a couple of games, maybe the NIT brings them in because they're Carolina. 
but they've got to make it to the finals at least in order yeah, for that to happen. For that to happen. Okay. All right. So we so we got a couple more games to uh, to evaluate them on, but um, definitely uh, appreciate you sharing your insights on them. Um, real quick before we get back to um, the second half for the Nick game. Kenny Atkinson, um, the, the the news was was a shocker yesterday as we heard that the Nets and Kenny Atkinson had parted ways. Um, what was your takes on that, and and what do you think about um, Kenny Atkinson just just overall as a coach? Overall as a coach and over, overall as a person, I, I think I put this out um, the day that it happened, which was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I got to know Kenny when I was credentialed and, and at practice in in Greenberg. Um, he was behind uh, a couple of assistants, a uh, gentleman by the name of Phil Weber, uh, who did a really good job. And then obviously Dan D'Antoni was Mike's mm-hmm. brother, who was mm-hmm. the first assistant. And then Kenny was, uh, you know, third on that list, mm-hmm. working specifically with the guards. And, you know, he is a guards, he's a point guard um, developer, you know, for sure. You know, we talked about Jeremy Lin uh, and, and, all of the other guys who are on this, Jeff Teague is on his resume, uh, D'Angelo Russell, certainly. So if you're trying to groom an NBA point guard into an NBA system, um, that's, let's call it modern, you know, he is certainly someone who you want to have, uh, you know, in your program. Um, but as a, as a person and as someone, you know, with the work ethic and, and just the relentlessness, um, you know, that just, that, that's the icing, uh, uh you know, the, the coaching part of it is the icing on the cake, the, the effort and the, the, the grind and, and the um, just just the, 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 the like I said before, the relentlessness is really what struck me about him is just, you know, nothing's going to stop him from becoming an NBA head coach. Um, I was surprised, frankly, when I heard mm-hmm. the news. Um, and then as you've seen some of the stuff that's come out and you saw the results tonight, you know, the the, the DeAndre Jordan yeah. not starting. Immediately versus, uh, into know. the starting lineup, man. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. I mean, and when you look at that team last year, Jared Allen, now obviously Russell was their best player, but Jared Allen was pretty darn good too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think the bringing in this, it, the Kyrie stuff is starting to feel more and more like the Carmelo Anthony uh, situation. Um, I, I almost feel like, you know, J.R. Smith is going to get signed this summer and, uh, Richard Jeff- Jeff- Richard Jefferson's gonna come out. Come out of retirement, right? <laughs> you know, they may they may even bring Kenyon Martin back. Yeah. You know, Melo may say, "Yeah, go play with Kyrie." But it's they there there is there has been an organizational takeover, and you know that's just part of it. Part so of the business, man. that's that's what they've got to deal with. And if there's a decision there that oh, the final straw was DeAndre Jordan was mad that he wasn't starting. <laughs> We saw we saw DeAndre Jordan last year, you know, and sort of what he brought. To yeah, the next we thought life. he was going to be a model citizen and and, and a developer of the other young guys, right? Yeah, and 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 he wasn't that great, you know. Uh, no. he, he definitely looks like he's on the other side. He's done. He's uh, done. Man. And and for him to not want to, and again, this is all speculation. Because, yeah. But the proofs in in the starting lineup tonight, um, but to not have him support a young growing player in Allen who's, yeah. who I think is very talented um, it, it, to me, just it, it signifies volumes, that. Man. Yeah. I mean, and, and now you're talking about Karis Levert, who the organization loved Kenny developed um, unrestricted free agent. 
Joe Harris played with Kyrie in Cleveland, so you know he's an unrestricted free unrestricted free agent too. He is, yep. Maybe he's maybe he stays. He's on my you know, radar. If they want to let him go. I doubt it, but hey, snap him up, man. He's a marksman. We need him. He's unrestricted, so you can throw the money at him. Mm-hmm. Um, his agents, Mark Bartlestein, the Knicks have a great relationship with Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an opportunity there. Kyrie Levert just went for fifty, and you know I that was the thing with me when Kyrie came in. I was trying to figure out how Kyrie, Karis LeVert, and Dinwiddie were going to all work together. And it's the answer is simple. They work together when Dinwiddie's in foul trouble and Kyrie's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Then they can give the ball to LeVert. Or, you know, if LeVert's hurt and Kyrie's out, then they can give the ball to Dinwiddie. But when Kyrie is there, LeVert's there, and Dinwiddie's there, it doesn't seem to work. And that, that really was what never made any sense to me. Um, so whoever that next person who comes in, whether it's Mark Jackson, whether it's um, Tyrone Ty Lou, yeah, Ty Lou. So what you're saying, you know, what are you seeing? So whoever that next person comes in, um, you know, is is, is going to have uh, their hands full, but they will have uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, man. Especially from Nick's standpoint, I'm going to be interested to see if uh, Leon and his evaluation of coaches, if he considers Kenny. Where how, where does he stand on Mike Miller? Is tab, is the Tibbs rumors as strong as they say they are? We're gonna be very fascinated to see what happens in, in both towns, man. But um, Tommy, man, de- definitely appreciate you giving us some time, some insights on on Cole Anthony. Uh, as the draft gets closer, we definitely want to hear your takes on some of the other prospects as well, man. But definitely uh, for tonight, man. Thanks a lot for your time, man. Uh, let the people know where where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas C D E E. And um, I'm thinking about changing that to Tommy digital, Uh, (laughs) but um, CP, it's always a pleasure, man. I'm here whenever you need me and uh, enjoy the rest of the game and uh, tell the fans out there. uh, I said, what's up and uh, always great to be with us. Appreciate it again, man. That was Tommy D joining us for part one of our draft prospect breakdowns. Uh, tonight we talked about Cole Anthony, man. So let me know what you think about the prospects of Cole Anthony, particularly his fit with the Knicks. Leave a comment in the chat. Leave a comment below. Um, for those of you in the chat right now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to um, end this stream, and then I'm going to start up a new stream for Knicks versus Pistons post game in about 10 minutes. So we got CK2K joining us, and then we'll take your phone calls and everything just like uh, just like normal. So... Uh, tonight was part one of our draft breakdown remember these episodes are available in audio podcast format spotify google play itunes amazon alexa so be sure to check it out if you're itunes subscriber please leave us a review it would be very much appreciated for those of you watching on youtube hit that thumbs up button for your boy you know the protocol man definitely appreciate it we got 200 people in here watching on uh youtube if you guys are on facebook please do the same man share these videos with whoever let them know this is number one show for the fans by the fans so uh next pistons post game see you guys in a little bit man peace if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at midi health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause and MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.